You're listening to The Machine, a podcast from Waterford Institute of Technology. My name is Rob O'Connor. I'm a lecturer in the Department of Computing and Mathematics and I'm joined in the studio today by Eamon DeLester, who has featured on many of our other podcasts and a newbie to the podcast, Mr. Colm Dunphy, also in the department. So we're all a big bunch of geeks. Uh, today, we want to talk about adult learners and how somebody might want to get into IT as an adult or how I learned to love technology and stop worrying. Uh, gentlemen, you're very welcome along to the podcast. Thanks for giving up your time. I want to begin by playing out a little Vox Pop. We had an event in WIT a couple of weeks ago, Crystal Valley Tech, which is a kind of an umbrella, umbrella group for many of the tech and IT companies in the region. And a couple of my students were up there and one of them went around to many of the exhibitors and asked them, what was the best thing about working in the tech industry? It's something new all the time and it's constantly developing. So you never get bored doing the same thing all the time. Everything is uh, so fast paced, ever changing. You're, um, you're always learning something new. It changes every day, to be honest. Like no two days are the same. As well as that, the ability to grow in the tech industry is huge. Like It's constantly changing. There's new technologies coming on every day. I've been working in the tech industry 30 years. We were all hippies when we started. So it's a groovy, cool thing to do. Uh, believe it or not and if you look at what it should be that's what it was because it's disruptive and the opportunities to travel I've traveled the whole world absolutely yeah yeah I've lived everywhere yeah, I've been in tech all over the place and uh, it's well paid and you get paid for traveling and staying the best hotels if you're good so uh, yeah it's well worth it and there's lots of jobs there I think it's just the freedom to you know in my spare time I can build anything for free. No two days are the same in working in the in, in the tech industry. Um, there's so much innovation and so many new new technologies coming on board. Every every week, every month there's something new to learn. So you're always broadening your horizons with it. So it's very, very interesting all the time. Okay, best thing about working in tech industry is the variety. Literally Monday to Friday is something different. Uh, we work in sprints at two weeks, so every two weeks your focus changes. Compare that to the non-tech industry where you'll be absolutely bored off your head after a month, six months, that's when you want to give up working there, whereas we change every two weeks. Dad and we got a lot of coffee and a pool table, and that helps with the entertainment as well. Because you earn a lot of money. So that's a bunch of tech professionals recorded at the Crystal Valley Tech event a couple of weeks ago in the arena in WIT. Uh, first off, we might, we, I suppose, Colin, we might go to yourself first and maybe just a little bit of reaction to some of the stuff that was said there. Hi, Rob. Yeah, some uh, some big words there. Uh, disruptive was, was a big one. Uh, came up quite a lot and lots of variety. Yes, it's changing all the time. So if you're the kind of person who likes to be doing new things and you like change, then this is certainly the industry for you. Um, disruptive. Uh, what's great about that is if you're fed up of the same old way that things are being done and you want to do them better, or you want to change and make them better, then software industry certainly uh, facilitates that. And Eamon, what about yourself? Yeah, I think the voice is there. Uh, maybe we can't see them, but I know there's a couple of old timers in there. So yeah. it's a mixture of uh, newbies, uh, graduates uh, who are full of enthusiasm and uh, older gentlemen and ladies who are also <laughs> full of enthusiasm. So good to hear them all. Um, how feasible is it for somebody to switch career into IT? So let's say I'm 25, 35, 45, whatever age. Um, how feasible would it be for somebody to say go from um, engineering, legal, some business background, whatever, to 
something in the tech industry? It's becoming easier. Uh, in the past, it would have been taking significant time out, maybe going back to college, getting a back to college grant of some kind, spending three or four years joining with our other adult learners, which are school leavers. But the options now of training in position or taking part-time training or doing online courses have proliferated in the last five to six years, maybe even even longer. Uh, it does mean possibly taking um, not so much time out of your existing career, but your existing career might go on a pause button, if you like, as you devote some time to reskilling. Could take two to three years to get to a level whereby you could get into a entry level position. But you might find that even where you're working, you might get supported to transition a little bit earlier. Mm. I suppose the background to this would be that, and we've we've touched on it in previous episodes of the podcast, is that so many industries now that wouldn't have been technology industries in the past are now are now considered technology industries or, or technology is is disrupting them to an extent that you know they've they've been replaced by software or technology is impacting on the way that they operate their businesses. Yes, so they're they're kind of doing in-house training to cope with the arrival of tech uh, to their own organisations. But there's also a vast number of uh, vacancies now in a variety of ICT fields in the Southeast and nationally, mm. which are uh, perhaps purely dedicated to ICT uh, programming or analyst. Or so I- ICT is information communications technology. Technology, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, one, one of the nice things though, uh, Rob, is you don't even have to commit anymore. You know, before is if you were going to change career to get into it, to become a software developer, for example, and mm. um, that was a major, major step. Now you can test the waters. There's lots and because of the web, we've got lots of uh, taster programs that you can do for free. And you can test it out, so you don't have to make that big decision. You can, you can try it out, uh, to test out different different things before you make a commitment. Mm. You know, so that that that's something that's that's relatively new. And this is because of the the, the proliferation of content online. Is that yeah. is that what you're talking yeah. about? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's so, the MOOCs, as they would have been called, the past massive open, open online courses. courses. Is yeah. That, yeah. So that that's a really good way of, of testing the water. Um, you've got universities all over the world who've put up their programs. They can only take so many students. Mm. And but, what, what you're trying to guess, get, I think, from, from your taster is whether you'd like it or not. Yeah. Get yeah. a sense of whether you find it interesting, stimulating. Does it get something creative going in you or does it give you an angle in the way you're thinking about work that you ha- mightn't have seen before? Yeah, because one of the things about the MOOCs, though, and they're, they're very good, and I've started loads of MOOCs. I haven't finished any of them. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the problems is that I, th- I think I've looked at stuff as an introductory yeah. kind of experience and then got busy and moved on with my life. And maybe that's where somebody taking a more rigorous approach comes in. Something's a bit more disciplined, structured. Possibly, but MOOCs, uh, they've got a bit of a bad name for that, actually, because mm. they do require a lot of time and commitment because the original MOOCs were modelled very much on university courses at the time, so they were requiring a lot of uh, commitment. Mm. But shorter training, shorter taster programmes, any kind of uh, self-starter guide in technology that is packaged as a video, usually, is, is, that's a course too. That's as good as, as a MOOC for getting going. Mm. Okay, so both of you would have extensive experience uh, teaching at undergraduate level, postgraduate level, research, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Do you notice a difference between the adult learners? And when I say the adult learners, well, I think the official 
cutoff point for a mature student is 23, is it? Yeah. You know, mm. so between between the mature students and the the people who come from school leaving or maybe a year after leaving cert here, do you notice a major difference between those individuals? I go first. Mm. <laughs> go for it. My my uh, big observation would be primarily maturity, right? Okay. <laughs> and, and that comes with being a mature student. Yeah. But but their approach to things, you know, their yeah. their their dedication is certainly much higher. Um, their attention to detail certainly higher. Uh, they also, if they've made the decision as a mature learner to come back to college, then they've actually thought about that a lot beforehand. So they actually know what the program is about. You know, they, mm. they're not kind of just showing up to a continuation of school. And unfortunately, we do have a lot of younger students who just leave school and it's now expected to go to college for many of them. And they just arrive in and they don't really know what they're signing up to or, or they haven't, you know, read into the to the programme to figure out exactly what it is that they've signed up to. Mature students are a whole other level there. They, mm. they, they've, they're, they're making this major commitment, you know, later in life to come back to college and they're there for a reason. They want to get a job at the end of it and it's a job in a particular area to make money, usually, mm. right? Um, so, so they're very, very focused in, in what they're doing. Um, so that, they're, they're my initial... Yeah, and the the kind of the big skill we would notice would be this notion of learning how to learn or knowing how to learn. Mm -hmm. So mature students, often they may have had um, educational experience in the past, but their maturity would mean that they're a bit more independent thinking and they know how to acquire knowledge. And the other big thing we notice, because we love to see them when they come into our, uh, our regular kind of first year classes, is they are excellent at peer support. Mm. and helping their own peers. Uh, to, they are, they are, sometimes they learn a lot from the kids in the class, but then they have a huge amount to contribute as well. I mean, I would echo both of those things. I have seen, I often love it, particularly in, since 2008 or, or, or since the, the second decade of the 21st century, we've had a, a, a large number of mature students in our first year programmes. Uh, I've noticed that dropping off actually in the last two years. Mm. But, um, and it was always great because I thought they added a big dynamic in class and they tended to be quite dedicated, uh, yeah. which you, you've alluded to. But one thing I did notice about a lot of mature students is that they could be quite anxious about trying to keep up with the kids or being blitzed by the kids because they didn't understand the lingo in yeah. the way that some of those, uh, the young people would have. Well, what I've always found, uh, and one of the best pieces of advice I was ever given was, if you don't know, ask. Yeah. And I live by that, you yeah. know, or if you don't agree, say, mm. you know. Mm. And mature students are uh, far faster to, to say, sorry, don't understand what you're talking about. Whereas younger students would tend to just sit back and say, well, I'm, it must be just me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mature students to have the maturity to, to actually just say, sorry, now I don't get what you're on about. Stop there. And and that actually benefits everybody. Oh, it does, so yeah. In, yeah. In, in a classroom. Um, Eamon was talking about the, the peer support. I mean, absolutely. Um, so mature students can be, can actually often take the role of mammy and daddy in the classroom, <laughs> you know, when, when they're in, in a mix of a lot, a lot of younger students. Um, they, they'll say, look, cop on, you know, you're wasting your time here and and that's great because it's it's not down to the the, the teachers and the lecturers yeah. to do that yeah and um, so they, they they definitely bring an awful lot to to the class yeah they're probably a little bit more demanding on us occasionally oh yeah because yeah. they would be expecting uh, clear explanations 
And if, if you're not getting, they'll be wondering, well, why not? Yeah. <laughs> but isn't that fair enough? That it it's is, a fair question, it. yeah. And yeah. it's a fair yeah. criticism of us. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, last year, we I had quite a few um, mature students. It's, it's funny, my, I think I'm teaching 28 years here now. And the, Jeez, you don't look a couple. The first class <laughs> that I went into, um, I had to uh, apologise to, to the senior man that was in the room. And I said, I, I think you're in the wrong room because you know, I'm, I'm timetabled for the class here. And he said, yes, I know, I'm your student. Mm -hmm. uh, and, it, it, and and that was 28 years ago. And now I have a class where everybody in the class is a mature student. That's quite a radical change in, in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's it's definitely, definitely changing. You know? But isn't that, not, would that be reflective of the changing nature of education in Ireland and internationally in that it's not a case of you go through school, maybe you go into college, now you're done, working a job until you retire and yeah. you'll go off and play golf. That doesn't exist anymore. It's just a case of constant education. or, or Well, it's, 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 a it's a function of the economy, really. The knowledge economy has arrived now. We were talking about it long enough. Mm. And that means that knowledge, is, a, is uh, as well as skill, is a critical... Uh, uh, asset of any of any human working in the economy and also the knowledge is shifting and moving on continually mm. so the job for life as we know is kind of gone really except for columns except, for, uh, except <laughs> for lecturers <yeah. laughs> but, I, but I mean even in the short time I, I'm about here 12 years so yeah. uh, so you're saying 28 name and you probably have a couple of years on top of that I'm not here six months six months okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean what I'm teaching now is vastly different to what I was teaching back then, obviously. Uh, yeah. And I don't expect to be teaching the same thing in five years, but that's part of the the appeal for the me. The allure, yeah. Yeah, in that I know I'm not going to be doing the same thing. And maybe that's one of the appeals of technology. Yes. Um, I don't know. I think with technology, you know, people that are into technology, they're, they're gadget freaks. They're waiting for the next new version. They love the next new thing coming along and they're thinking about what that might be and how I can combine them together to create and do different things that are cool. Mm. you know to, to them so it, so let's say I was 35 okay and I've been working in industry X for a while okay maybe I'm working in some sort of manufacturing industry or, or, or some sort of professional service whatever it is right and I'm kind of looking around me and thinking you know maybe I kind of have an interest in technology I think you'd need to have an interest in tech to obviously get into it professionally what advice would you give to somebody about getting going maybe Eamon will give that to you um, I suppose the first thing is not to be daunted by preconceptions you might have. It's not really require profound mathematical skills, for instance. Mm. It does uh, lean heavily on logical sort of ordered thinking. But if you, if you can't remember differential calculus or something, that's not going to be a problem. Um, the second thing then, as we were discussing earlier, is probably to dabble yourself by investigating independently first, just to see if in the web in general, you can get a sense of what programming is. We've discussed this in the past mm. and what other variants of that kind of creative um, uh, uh, world is like in, in, in tech. I think if you can dismantle some of your preconceptions and start to build a kind of a new model around what might be involved in, in the software industry in particular, uh, you, you might find it fascinating really. What about yourself, Colin? Yeah, I think you, you've got to be open and and allow plenty of time to get started as well. I mean, I would have never considered myself the best at anything. Mm. Um, but I'm a grafter. Yeah. Right. And I think that's a great 
a great asset to have if you're trying to get into tech because you just keep keep pointing away at whatever the problem is. So if you like solving problems, you're going to it's going to help. Mm. Um, but you know, if you're the kind of guy who or girl who's uh, going to just give up at the first hurdle, then it's it's probably not the industry for you. Mm. You know, it, it's constant. You've got constant problems that you've got to solve, and you've got to be the kind of person who who will take the time to do that. And it's, and that amount of time is different for everyone. You know, uh, I would consider myself slow, so it takes me far longer to to solve problems than other people. But I keep at it, and 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 I understand that. Um. But again, I go, I go back to if, if, if you're the kind of person who doesn't have patience, then, you know, it, maybe it's not for you. Yeah, yeah. There's a cliche or a phrase, whatever way you want to look at it, that is, is springing to mind, which is, and I use it a lot in class, which is Rome wasn't built in a day. Yeah. But they were laying bricks every hour. Yeah. And I think that's very important. The second yeah. bit that you don't often hear, which yes. is that, you know, you just, you do, it doesn't have to be a mammoth effort every single time. You can be doing a little bit and a little bit and suddenly that will add up. Yeah, yeah. Curiosity is kind of essential, and that, mm. that echo uh, columns point. I kind of, I kind of a doggedness. Mm. I won't say stubbornness, but something like that in, when you're tackling problems. And also, um, I think learning from mistakes. So when something doesn't work, when you haven't made progress, uh, that's not wasted time at all, really. Yeah. And often you're learning more by those errors, and that's particularly true in in software than if everything is going swimmingly from day one. You know, it's reminding me, I know we're talking about adult learners, but I'm thinking about a lot of final year projects that we would have seen down throughout the years. Mm. And some of the best projects don't work at all. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's the ones where they've encountered problem, a problem, problem, a problem, problem. And maybe it doesn't work at the end or maybe it only partially works. But what they've the journey that they've gone on in, in engaging with new technologies and particularly when somebody's feeling around about it at the edges of, of maybe what's possible or, or, or what's traditional. Uh, I, I love those kind of projects. Mm. Yeah. You know, I, I really like that. And I think we, I suppose somebody in fourth year or final year would obviously have exhibited all of those skills that you've discussed already. Mm. Uh, so it doesn't. It's not about getting it right first time. Yeah, and you can you can see that that's what industry is like. Yes, yeah. yeah it's not. Uh, it's not all uh, kind of a wonderful Apple world where everything is beautiful and uh, perfectly formed. There's a lot of problem, continual problem solving and innovation mm. going on. And, but and one of the one of the things that seems to be uh, echoed from industry in the last few years, which traditionally wasn't, was you know. Um, we'd often get calls from companies saying, you know, can you recommend someone? We'd like to hire someone, you know. And traditionally it was, they're looking for the best programmer out there. Mm. right? And now it's not. They assume that everybody is going to be able to get the skills to technically do what needs to be done. Now they're looking for good communicators. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned about, you know, the stereotypical uh, techie. That isn't a feature of the stereotypical techie, but, but it's becoming a requirement now. It's to be able to communicate well. Um, and, and those skills are being, you know, very much uh, rated highly with, with employers. We've talked about programming a lot, but yeah. do I have to be a programmer? Say Again, say I'm, I'm somebody working in an engineering firm, okay, or, or, or whatever, it doesn't matter, um, or accountancy, right? Do I have to be a programmer? Say I'm interested in tech and I like that kind of stuff and I have a curious mind, but I really don't want to get into programming. I, I'm going to take this one first because mm-hmm. I, I think... Um, I, I fit the answer here. Yeah. Uh, I, I got employed as a software engineer all those years ago. Mm. Um, and I considered myself a programmer. And for the last 
I just calculated this last 18 years, I wasn't teaching programming. Mm. I wasn't even doing programming. Okay. It was music and audio production and media. Mm. Uh, and there's loads of uh, jobs in those areas, web development, but not coding. I wasn't coding. Mm. Okay. Um, and I'm returning to that now. Uh, so you can you can move around within the industry, um, and and it isn't all about coding. Absolutely not. Um, another example of of a friend of mine, who was a mature student, came back to to college. I, I love using this example. Uh, he's fifty now. Yep. Okay. He went back to college. I think it, in his mid forties, and he had been managing uh, a team of retail assistants for years and years and years. So he was a, a shop manager. Yeah. And he came and did a did a computing course at, at WIT. And when he graduated, the skill that was that was most valued for him was his people management skills. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that he also had a technical background. Uh, and he wasn't a fan of writing code, you know, um, but but he could understand the language. So mm. he could speak the language. But what was most valuable in the company that he went to was his people management skills and all, all of that history. So that's probably a good example of, you know, people that are doing something now, going back to get into technology and where their background can actually have a really big impact on, on the job that they're going into. So what other skills? So you're talking about people management skills, but what other skills might somebody be able to bring from uh, another industry into the tech industry? So basically that they don't have to throw away everything that they might have done beforehand. Eamon? Um, there's a lot of vacancies now, even in, in this region, uh, for business analysts. So, What is a business analyst? So it's a, kind of a general term for somebody who has gone through a journey through, through computing, maybe has the foundations of programming behind them, but they're not doing programming day to day. But they are closely working with programmers who may be in the organization they're, they're working in. Mm. And then uh, usually clients or customers. So they're interleaving between the two, translating customer requirements. And they could be big kind of corporate customers and managing or assembling or, or orchestrating their requirements into a set of um, specifications that a programmer deals with. So often the programmers wouldn't have the time or maybe the skills to engage with the, directly with the customers. Mm. So it's quite a strong role in in financial area insurance. Uh, they'd have as many BSAs as they would have programmers, in fact. And it would be quite a demanding job. The skills would be around project management, attention to detail, tracking and following through issues, reporting, uh, kind of accumulating knowledge, and then probably managing programmers as well. So I, I've... I'm trying to work in a cooking analogy into every single podcast. Yeah. So far, I've been successful, right? But if we can imagine a restaurant, okay, and we have the chefs, the chefs are the programmers. Mm -hmm. Could somebody like a business systems analysis analyst be like the host or the hostess? Yes, the maitre d'. Yeah, the, yeah yes. who who has a who is the kind of the hero of negotiating between the customers yeah. and the, the 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 chefs in chefs. the kitchen. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and they would probably have to have a good knowledge of the menu. Yes. They maybe even have been cooks themselves for a short period, maybe not. Yeah. But they would be... Failed steep. cooks, maybe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then they must have the ability to project a presence to the customer. Yeah, okay. 
I, I love that analogy yeah. and I, we're going to keep on using it for as long as we can. Um, <clears throat> so what, what career options, besides business systems analysis, you say networking or, or is there other areas that aren't necessarily programming that somebody might get into? Yeah, so we, we, we talk about programming, software development, business systems analysis, data scientist, data analysis yeah, is yeah. a big one. So I think you've had a chat about that before. Yeah. So the world of data is, is, is fantastic now because the number, no, data sources has proliferated beyond what we ever imagined. So analyzing and tracking and assessing and generating knowledge from data is, is a huge growth area for the next uh, century. Uh, you mentioned network administration, managing small, small uh, even small companies, um, equipment and networks mm. and up to something larger. Security is a big one. We have entire firms devoted to security and we do degrees on security here. Mm. Big growth area. Um, it's kind of un- unlimited, really. Yeah. It's actually the the range of offers from, of courses from WIT probably sums it up. You've the ABCs of computing. You've applied computing, business computing, creative computing. And then they, they those ones in turn split out into a whole other uh, raft of, of separate uh, streams and courses. Mm. Um, you know, forensics, it would, what comes to mind, Internet of Things, yeah. um, creative computing. Games. Games, yeah. I suppose, I know, like, we, we, we all do work in Waterford Digital Te- Technology, and I suppose that, that would be our bent, but this is not unique to Waterford, the Southeast. This no, is no. this is a national, this is an international mm. trend, yeah. should we say. Data, big data, data visualisation, mm. artificial intelligence, these are the, the big areas at the moment. So, Eamon, you said earlier about how, you know, the, the knowledge economy and how economics is shifting things or disrupting disrupting traditional jobs mm-hmm. into this way. But how rewarding a career option can something in tech be? Uh, Financially or otherwise? Well, a lot of that is a function of supply and demand, as you know. Yeah. And uh, demand is high, supply is constrained currently. Mm-hmm. Uh we we have spare capacity here. I think all the colleges have uh, in that um, we, there are more positions in the economy than are currently uh, being filled by our graduates. Yep. This has led to the growth of uh, upskilling and transferable skills. And of course, we're seeing a lot of uh, people coming from abroad as well being attracted into to that sector. So where, where, where that occurs, then you do have uh, salaries that are attractive. Uh, the length of position is probably a bit shorter than in traditional industry. People tend to stay with a company two, three, four years. They tend to move on after that, getting more skills, possibly move abroad. A lot of people come back from abroad uh, Mm. when opportunities arise here. But the industry is used to that now. It's used to a bit of turnover. They they probably would prefer to be a bit less, but they're they're dealing with it, which means there's there's uh, good support in in well-run companies for for uh, induction and training and get, be, getting people settled in, and of course a lot of incentives to keep people in, mm. uh, from moving on just because they want new experiences. I saw a report uh, yesterday from Solus, and it had a big word cloud, uh, you know, indicating what where all the jobs are in Ireland at the moment, mm. and the top four were in technology. Yeah. And the number one was a software programmer. Yeah. You know, this number two, I think, was information technology. Data visualization was the third one. Mm. It's, it's kind of strange. And this is, again, an international problem that there are thousands upon thousands, of, probably millions of unfilled tech jobs across the world. Mm. And yet there aren't more people choosing it as a career. It's, it's quite strange if you think about it. Yeah. 
Um, on any given day, I think for many years, there's been 7,000, 7,500 vacancies in, in the IT in Ireland. Yeah. And that, that's as long as I can remember. I remember doing, you know, induction talks or talks for schools. And I used to look up those figures. I stopped looking up those figures because it was always high. And it was high at the depths of the recession. And, it was, and it's been high at the depths of, or it's been high at the height of the Celtic Tiger as well. Mm. So it just seems to be a perennial problem that there aren't enough people choosing IT. There might be a lag as well in terms of people's perception. Uh, yeah. A lag, uh, I suppose, a, a Hollywood vision of the lonely nerd working in a room on his own. The yeah. the uh, the pallor of a what you might have got a keen indoorsman. I think is what they say. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's kind of uh, we, we know that's shifted on. But yes. we're finding it hard to get that word out. Like the, the Colin mentioned, the social nature of programming. I think. Microsoft had an ad, oh, it must be 20 years ago now, whereby they were advertising a closed door, which is a weird thing, as their um, marketing thing for recruiting programmers. You'd have an office on your own. That's seen now as, as, as uh, disastrous, really, <laughs> yeah. for them and uh, for the industry at the time, because nobody wants a closed door now or an office. And you certainly wouldn't be allowed in a modern software development environment. It's very much around team they put a lot of time into team effort and team building. Yeah. Team building exercises are all the rage. There's a big mm. growth area. You can see in Waterford even the number of team building uh, amenities available is kind yeah. of uh, yeah. taken off. And a lot of those are tech companies using those. Yeah. But I also think part of the attraction or less, less of an attraction, I have got a couple of kids that are now of college age, right? And I see both of them in college at the moment. And one guy's having a great time. And the other guy is, he's working hard. He's working very hard every night. And the difference is the disciplines that they're in. Um, so if you're in science, it's not easy. Yeah. Right. And software development is part of science. So it's not easy. It, it, it's harder work. Um, where, whereas the other guy, uh, probably shouldn't say this, but <laughs> he's in business. And okay. uh, I'm not saying business is easy, but it's, I would, from from my observations of my two kids, uh, of of the four, um, cer certainly he's having an easier time, you know. And I think that that might go back to, you know, uh, when when people are choosing the career, which you know, oh, that science is is harder. Yeah, it is a bit harder, but but it can be more rewarding as well. Yeah. Now, what we're going to do after this is we're actually going to record another podcast. We're going to have a special bonus edition, which is geared towards a specific course that uh, we have here in WIT um, aimed at adult learners and people looking, uh, professionals looking to switch careers. And it's also part time. So we're going to, that's going to be coming up very, very shortly. Um, just finally, I suppose, before we move on to that, could you maybe have a think about, uh, reflect on the way the industry has changed in the last 20 years. And I'll kick you off. I'll start it off myself, I suppose. I, I graduated from WIT in 1999, so nearly 20 years ago. And back then, there were a handful of opportunities in Waterford, in the region, and mostly around factories and a couple of small companies. There was very little here, uh, which led me to go off elsewhere. And I had a great time then in the UK and then in Australia afterwards, which was which I loved actually. And I think it would have gone anyway. But now here we are in nine, uh, 2018, so nearly 20 years later, and there are a plethora of tech companies and companies in using IT here right now yeah. that wouldn't have existed. Wouldn't You couldn't even dream of it 20 years ago. 
I think and uh, that's staggering. Yeah, and I, I think the man sitting next to me has a, a lot to answer for that. He does. Um, TSSG, uh, Software Systems Telecommunications System Software Group. If I got that right, Software Systems Group. Software Systems Group. All the research that was done back then, uh, you know, the the Carrigan Ore Building, Arc Labs. Idea Labs. Uh, Th- this this is a, a research campus in WIT. Just, yes, yeah. and um, the num- that that created this hub for software development, and and they were doing cutting edge technology out there. Um, so much so that it, it it grew beyond its original name. So basically, they're covering every type of computing out there, and that's enabled people to graduate from a course, possibly do work experience in that research centre, work with other people, and you're encouraged to apply for funding, for research funding, um, which leads to spin-out companies. Uh, and there's been so many of them over the years, uh, very successful ones. Um, and, and of course, recently we, we had Feed Henry, which was uh, bought by Red Hat and now being bought by IBM hmm. for $34 billion. You know, that's crazy. <laughs> that's a massive, massive success story. Um, but there's lots of other smaller companies that have come yeah. out and research, and not all of them succeed. But what's really interesting is to see when they don't succeed, there's a hub there of of people. And if if the company doesn't succeed, there's another company that springs from it, mm. and that's happened quite a lot. Uh, and another company comes to mind is Stitcher Ads. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Previously Beta Bond. Yeah, previously yeah. Catch. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and and they're like. Facebook's number one app developer and now advertising platform. Uh, and this is in Waterford. Mm. Uh, like you, I graduated into a dark depression. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I, I didn't even know there was an industry in Ireland. You know, I just assumed I went to college, come out of college and I get a job. Mm. And I wasn't even thinking about what job I get. It'd be just any job because mm-hmm. because um, y- you had a degree and that would... Do, do you mind me asking what year was that? Can you go on? Put an age on you. Ninety-two. Ninety-two. Okay, no, this is because but ninety-nine. The the the, yeah. the industry was very healthy. There was loads of jobs. Yeah, they were all in Dublin, and I didn't want to go to Dublin. Yeah, and I a thing in Waterford, <laughs> which is often mentioned, is we're all homebirds. We, yeah. lo- we love it here so much. We don't want to look outside. <laughs> and I was the same at the time, and I had a lot of things keeping me in Waterford that I that I just didn't want to go away. Yeah, and uh, yeah, there, there weren't there weren't any jobs like the, the best you could get at the time. Probably was. You know, if you didn't get into a factory, which mm. would be an IT department in a factory, it was selling computers in a shop. Yeah. You know, that was probably what was available. That's completely changed now. We've, we've, as you mentioned, the Crystal Valley Tech, 85 companies that, that showed up for that day. And mm. um, so one of the things that, that was a comment that was made at that, that Crystal Valley Tech event was you had a lot of faces that were on different stands from the same uh, opened a, a year earlier. Yeah, yeah. And what that suggests is that it's uh, it's no longer the case that you will join a company in Waterford and you're stuck there. It's big enough now that if you're not happy, you can move to another software company within Waterford. And I think that's a fantastic thing. So, Eamon, you're partially responsible. Uh, not quite. But <laughs> it's, it's the, uh, yeah, the rise of the startup really has been the big thing for us in the last 20 years. Um, and I, I think we kind of, observing generations of startup now which we're able to do for the last 15 years or so of companies that often started with TSSG or maybe in orbit maybe failed regrouped teams split up teams reassembled that's what a modern economy looks like 
mm. and that's what we have now, which is uh, great for the region. It's great for the college because um, all those companies are very focused on what's going on here and the kind of graduates we're producing. And you'll also see some companies now, um, they look for graduates before looking for more experienced people because occasionally they want to see new technology applied without any preconceptions. So freshly trained people aren't encumbered with older ways of doing things. And we haven't really seen much of that before, which is an interesting development. Mm. I think we leave it there. And check out, there's going to be a special bonus edition where we look at the HDIP in computer science and ICT skills. That'll be coming up very, very shortly. Uh, to Eamon and Colm, thank you very much for having a chat with us. And sure, hopefully, Colm, you might feature on the podcast again in the future. Love to. Thanks. Brilliant. <laughs> right, you're, you're elected now. <laughs> okay, thanks, lads. Cheers.